0: I've heard that going now sometimes before I have a conversation with someone in real life. I've just heard the theme tune ringing in my ears because... Just under the
1: cashier in Asda. Yeah. About to buy a pair of uh, carrots.
0: Yeah. Just thinking of something really intellectual to say it. Uh, Yeah, well, exactly. She's about to pay. Welcome to this week's Don't Change the Subject with me, Ed Withers.
1: And me, Lorcan Lydell.
0: Lock them down this week. We're joined by John Mortar. Welcome along, John. Hi, Ed. Hi, Lawcombe. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. uh, It's all good. Thank you for coming. So, yeah, we've known each other for I guess maybe like five years, something like that.
2: Long time, isn't
0: it? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it feels like like a long time. Which I actually think is probably an arena. I don't know. Is that a nice thing to say? I'm I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, we met, actually, at the Facebook offices in London, I think. Or, actually, no, I think technically it was a bar in London, wasn't it? I think uh, it was, yeah. uh, An event hosted by Facebook London. We went probably then met the second time at Facebook's offices.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. It was definitely at Facebook HQ or something to do with it, wasn't it, I seem to recall. I run uh, my local kind of towns facebook group or the or should i say the one that got big let's put it that way because every town's got a million facebook groups now um so i think i was there my, my town of uh, southwood and ferris there you go I'll give it a plug because no one's ever heard of it yeah. um and uh, i think i was there because of that but uh, i i tend to go to these things at facebook and i i'd never get asked about that actual group ever it's um another group that i started um which uh, your listeners may or may know it's, it was called Rage Against the Machine for Christmas number one and we, we basically started a group to try and get them the Christmas number one instead of X Factor and it works It's the Christmas number one for 2009 Rage Against the Machine and Killing in the Name And so it went from there, and then, then I ended up meeting you at Facebook's headquarters. So there you go. John, yeah. I was yeah. just
1: stalking you, actually, because I realised... Oh, it was you, was it? I was wondering page. who it was outside. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> uh, no, I had a look. I was like, oh, my God, it's him. He's the guy who destroyed Joe McKeldry. I hope, you, hope you're happy with yourself. That man has his Steve <laughs> issues now. However, I was all for it. I loved it at the time. I bought it on iTunes. Not, Not Joe's song. I'm sure, Honestly, I'm sure I've seen team, him
0: but... interviewed since. I, I've seen Joe interviewed well, since. And he said that he, he's. you've met him, haven't you, since? Or you're cool with each other. You've spoken well, to each other,
2: haven't you? Yeah, we, we, well, yeah. Interestingly enough, um, so over the years, um, I, one of the things that I got asked to do, you know, these talking head TV shows, like the top 50 whatever things that happened at Christmas. And it's always on Channel 4 or Channel 5 late at night. And they they repeat it every year. Well... So I got invited to do quite a few of them. I think I'm in about seven or eight or something silly. And the great thing is, is they repeat them. They're just, it's repeatable stuff. So I'll just get text messages at two in the morning sometimes near Christmas going, oh, yeah, I didn't know you were on telly. And I'll be like, no, I'm not. I haven't got a clue. So anyway, but um, so Joe was asked to do a lot of those. And we were asked to do um many of these um. Uh, like you know, head list show things, whatever you want to call them, talking head shows, and um, um but they tried to his Joe's management tried to keep us two apart. They wouldn't let us sort of like talk. And I remember tweet I tweeted it once years ago, and um, I got a very sort of like very sharp like response going. Can you please take this uh this tweet down? We you know we we don't want to be associated. Blah blah blah. Um, but recently. Uh, the BBC of all people uh, did a bit of a podcast on the whole um, campaign when it happened, and they got Joe involved, and Joe was happy to to do it. So we actually had a chat. Um, it was uh, a few months ago now, and it was very nice, and uh, we had a you know good conversation about it, and he actually invited, uh, invited us to go and you? go and watch him. No, I, I no, no, unless not, unless been not, been that but. I think 12. he mellowed about it more than his management team did. I think his management team still hate me. Um
0: but he's fine, he's a lovely guy. He's had a really, really successful career. I mean everyone still knows Joe McEldry. So.
1: Maybe yeah, yeah. you should have the ultimate Col collab. Collab. Collab? Collab? No, I'm thinking <laughs> uh, get a collaboration between the cunts and Joe McKeldre, <coughs> and it can be the renegades of cunts. It works amazing. <laughs> the cord isn 't it, look, I mean, called, it? Um, is it the Cunts? what
2: yeah no We're well i uh, got... no i'm i'm friends with that that band though funny enough, and I have worked with them and been in their videos
0: this is the the cunts, um the band um that john 's got um very close ties to videographer for i believe um as well as um you know well describe it's your more promotions
2: yeah i'm not really a videographer i i do um um, I just helped with their promotion because I've I've known them for many many years. They're a, they're a, they're local Essex legends where I am basically, <laughs> you know, and um and and yeah, I've just ended up being as as in a few of their videos. Um, is this a good place to say what character I played in a couple of them? I don't know. I want help. So the last video, so the last track they did was actually the highest selling single in the uk uh during jubilee week true story go and check it out go and have a look on the and uh, for one week it was the highest selling uh song um it, called? Uh, it was called uh prince andrew is a sweaty nonce I like uh, that one, out, that one was out.
1: actually quite a bop you know it well, was something to listen to you uh, probably wouldn't have a dance with your nan with it but you know it was uh, no but
2: but it family, did,
1: obviously.
2: It, it did achieve what the Sex Pistols didn't do, and it sold the most during the Jubilee week. And it, it, it sold more than Kate Bush, because Kate Bush had had a resurgence. And um, it actually sold the most in the week of the Jubilee, which we were all immensely proud of. <laughs> and, uh, and I played with a mask over me, I actually played Prince Andrew. So. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's a I good thing know. or not. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's not... I don't know where I forgot their that. name. How, where, you know, where?
1: <laughs> I assumed I'd got their name wrong because their name is always asterisked out on the internet because obviously they can't really include that. Well, whole YouTube term. would just, so, just take
0: it down, wouldn't it? You can't even call a video well, that on well, YouTube, like,
1: I don't think. Exactly. So mine... My, my, I'm, I'm, it's just as well that my mind naturally went to the cunts, not the clumps or the
0: clunts, just the cunts. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's spelled with a K for, for our listeners. It's with a K. If you're not, yeah, yeah if yep. you're not familiar, it's spelled with a K. It's sometimes sometimes asterisked. I guess if you want it to appear in chart listings, you've got to, you know, meet certain written conditions at least. But yeah, they have, they have to. Um, it's not it even through. the same it's word, though, name. is it? Phonetically, well, it is does, doesn't it mean something different in German? was spelled with a K. Apparently, so.
2: Apparently so, um, but but also listeners might mate. be might be familiar with their previous
0: iteration, known as Cunt and the Gang. Uh... Check it out, check it out. Lorkins a fan. <laughs> um, and I saw something today um, about um, so Rishi Sunak has put out a video um, of like is this motivational sp- motivational speech style video? Um. But the music in the background of it, I saw someone tweet, I think it must be you. You I saw you tweet about the fact that it's the same music as they've taken they've taken they've stolen the music, the drum beat for the uh, cunts and the gang song, is that right? Well, so last year's Christmas
2: song they did, this the band did, was a song about Boris Johnson being a cunt, basically. And it went to number five in the charts. But they used the, the old Gary Glitter track backing track from Rock and Roll, and they did that on purpose because because obviously yeah Gary Glitter's got a, a certain uh, uh, thing about him so they thought well, why don't we why don't we associate Gary Glitter with Boris Johnson so that so that's why they they did it and they thought yeah I'll make it a catchy tune but they didn't use the original Gary Glitter sample they sort of found their own version. And um, a few of us on online earlier this morning sort of watched, looked at, at Rishi's video he brought out, and, and there was me, and I, I weren't the only one. I was thinking, hang on a bit, hang on. I think he's used the same the, the the same drum pattern, the drum backing, as what the cunts use for the Boris Johnson song. I'm sure it is, and I kept listening to it. And eventually I tweeted it. You might have seen my tweet earlier, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll put it out, and off it went
1: that We have gone. We should soon have his first full day. Developments this morning at 10 Downing Street in London.
2: He asked Rishi Sunak to be the British Prime Minister, and I have been elected as leader of my party and your Prime Minister, and that work begins immediately. <laughs> And it, it and Gary Glitter started trending at about four o'clock this afternoon. So, uh, but it is, isn't it? If, you know, if you have heard it, it you've, it's either Gary Glitter or the cunts doing the Boris song. So whichever way, they can't win. <laughs> it's like somebody somewhere, somewhere possibly uh, an agency that the Conservatives are paying, uh, has either gone out in style or uh, has been very, very, very naive <laughs> to use that to use that
0: particular sample. It's incredible. I'm I'm dumbfounded. He's used it. This is my favourite Rishi Sunak um, interview. Well, actually, there's a few. Okay, but this is one that I think is really interesting, very telling. He was quite young.
1: I have friends who are aristocrats. I have friends who are upper class. I have friends who are, you know, working class, but I'm
0: not working class. Richest UK prime minister that that, there's ever been. Um, And, like, um, I saw a meme today um and it's like Lord Farquhar with um Richard Sunak's head anyway and the quote on it and it says some of you may have to go without food or heating but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make um and you know <laughs> obviously he's about to have to tell lots of the working class uh, to make I sacrifices kind of, yeah, I'm his
1: gonna place to say will something be warm.
0: his gaff will still be heated
1: Well, I'm going to say something controversial insofar that I like him because he's pristine and polished and equally bland. He is the conservative version of Keir Starmer. I'm fascinated to see how PMQs will roll out because they are so similar, like a mirror image. Uh, They're just the other side of the coin. I'm not going to begrudge him for the fact that he's a billionaire. He married into it and his family is wealthy and they've worked hard for that wealth. So for me, that doesn't come into the equation. What comes into the equation is actual performance. And that enters the the realm of the bizarre because we have Prime Minister now talking about addressing economic issues and problems of the economy that he started. And it does feel like we're all being gaslit somewhat, where half the issues are a result of his management of the economy. But then you have to take into account He's not a complete idiot. At least he's, he's on top of his brief. <clears throat> um, like most uh, os- you know, ostensibly was uh, his comments during the actual leadership race against Truss, where he aptly and presciently described her plans as being complete hunkum, saying it will crash the market. It will de- devalue the pounds. You can't just cut tax like that without being able to account for the uh, the funding for them. Uh, for for the budget and and for the planned tax breaks so he has form not the best form not the ideal form but for a conservative voter uh, if i was a conservative voter i'd be relieved that there's someone that has at least an iota of competence in performing evil (laughs) so there is that
2: you're right He can gaslight very well Uh, as can all of them to be fair but um I think um especially with Rishi, I think like uh, right, your your point about you now if I was I'm not a conservative voter either, I should point that out. Um do they still exist? I'm sure they're out there somewhere. But uh, you know, the the thing with um with Rishi, yes, they are scraping the barrel now, aren't they, with what they've got left. Um and I think I don't know, with me personally, I think I could see when the when the uh leadership campaign happened. Was a, He clearly was the best of a bad bunch. I mean, it, you know, you, you, you did worry um, any of them would take over. And to be fair, I was actually helping promote Liz Truss, if I'm honest, online. I was I was trying to G up the, the, the Conservative the members to try and vote for her. And it obviously pleased it worked. But It's just a shame they got rid of her so quickly because um, I thought she was fantastically bad to the point where i I, honestly i'm i was gutted i got rid of her so quickly
1: the irony Um, john (laughs) is that you would have been in complete complete simpatico with the daily mail so they they didn't need your input because the daily mail was doing doing all of your hard work for you because they were all for her they completely um completely championed her
0: budget they've really turned
1: yeah they've done a complete 180 it's like 1984 they've They've gone into the archives and changed everything, saying, Oh, she wasn't the prime minister that we needed, and uh, which is so quite a two... change from she's the woman that we need. Ah, oh, she's Maggie.
0: 2.0. <laughs> yeah, the two headlines, right, on the Daily Mail. So you had like they have this like blue topper that sometimes makes like almost pronouncements. She has the boldness vision and strength of conviction to build on what Boris began. That's why today the Mail backs Liz Trust for leader. That was its header. And then on the 25th of October it says Trust was a disastrous dalliance who served only to remind us what a real leader looks like. <laughs> like they just... And so their users have, like their users and their readers, mm-hmm. well actually it is mainly users because the Daily Mail is read more Online, Daily, Daily Mail online is huge. I think insane. it's one of
1: the most visited uh, websites the news world. websites in in the world, which is yeah. quite insane. And it's it has its uses though. So the comment section on the Daily Mail is a great, great measuring tool to feel how I don't want to say Middle England is feeling, uh, insane Middle England is feeling. So the real margins of society in terms of their <laughs> view of things. <laughs> Um so yeah, it's the I love having gonna, a read. Did you
0: hear the government are cracking down on Middle England drug use? Well, like so sort of like yeah, middle class drug use. Um they they they've announced they're gonna the home office have announced, which is obviously now Sorella Bartham again. So yeah, she was and then she was home home secretary, right? So she's involved in where the police spend their money. Um and Sue barman I think, has announced, yeah, a huge amount of spending and resources in policing to go into um, cracking down on middle class and upper class coke use, even though the police are completely massively stretched in other areas um, that some people are saying are not as important I, as middle class cocaine use.
1: This is a compromise.
2: Oh, oh, addict, oh, oh, total coke addict. addict.
1: But it's it's a wild um, compromise that she's had to make because she was going after marijuana and she wanted to make it a class A. And I don't know if someone whispered it in her ear saying that's completely fucking bonkers. But now they're doing this to... uh, I think it's a two-pronged approach. One is stop and search. So suddenly out of the blue, now they're stopping and searching white middle-class people. And two, it's a way of saying that they're tough on drugs. But in any event... No one gives a shit. Like most people in this country are pretty liberal. I, I feel, I imagine, on the subject of drugs. And whereas Germany is now legalizing recreational use of cannabis, for example, we seem to be going the opposite way. It's like, why are you pressing this as a matter? Like most people either have no opinion on it, or the feeling is we need to liberalize, and their justification is a completely uh, disingenuous load of bullshit. Because most of the problems they quote. Are the result of criminality, uh, sorry, of criminalisation of, of drugs themselves rather than the actual product? It's insane.
2: So it, it perhaps getting to the end of their line, possibly. No pun intended on that one. <laughs> I just realised that could have been a pun um, on, on policy. You know, and are they literally just going for the particular voter that they they've only got left? Um, to make them come out because it's it, it, it's that sort of policy they seem to be trying to sort of trudge through now. Or like
0: the sort of reactionary voter who can yeah. just be pressed on one issue kind of and to, to come out and vote. Exactly.
2: It sounds like Brexit yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, but this is it. It's, it's, a break. it's create a an issue, issue. Yeah. Create an issue that we can deal with, and we're hard and we're tough on that. Yeah, well, I,
0: election well, I, coming I, up I agree. Of, I think should be much more open to legalization of all sorts of drugs. I just think that you could tax them so heavily. I, I, I almost think that the next, that this is such a widely accepted view now that the next um, prime minister for, in an ele- election that promises it in their manifesto. I think they'd win. I think that if they could say, right, we've got an idea that we'll put something, I don't know the estimates I've seen is like 80 billion into the UK economy. Um, I saw as one estimate. I was
1: I was listening to uh, LBC the other day uh, and I, I can't remember the, the name of the gentleman. I think it may have been like a, a crime commissioner or something similar saying, oh no, we shouldn't possibly, we can't We can't possibly legalise drugs because crime was spelled out of control. There'd be muggings and theft as there is now, but he be, be much worse so well no it wouldn't because you're removing money out of the criminal enterprise you're removing their ability to make money you're providing you're able to regulate the market ensure there's quality ensure that it's not as toxic as it could be currently and uh you refine it and it's a lot safer for the user and second uh, sec- on the secondary basis uh, people don't have to go to the criminal underworld to get drugs they're just going to a pharmacy pharmacists can monitor and control the amount that anyone has so if it's getting if it's getting uh, problematic they're able to refer them to a program and whatever tax benefit whatever net benefit there is you put that in recovery you put that into rehabilitation programs You you deal with the issue right there right then it's insane but we don't have that view in the UK and I think your your point is quite salient, John. I think they really are scraping the barrel in terms of policy ideas. But I can't imagine what demographic this appeals to unless it's the really elderly who somehow skipped the sixties. Being, I think really that's
2: miserable. all they've got left, isn't it? I'm, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm being, I'm not saying that they're the only conservative voters out there. Um, of course, there are young conservative voters out there, but. Uh, um, you know, if you look at it as a as a percentage factor. Um and you look at uh, I think it was it YouGov or is it Redfield Wilton, I don't know which one it was now. Um fairly recently, I, I think it was in about July, August, uh did a, a little bit of a, a a sort of a sweeping poll. And and it's been the it looks these these what comes out, these bar charts have looked the same since the twenty seventeen election, you know, where the sort of the youngest it starts sort of very, very labour and then you get sort of sweep across to the very old where it goes blue. And um you know, and and the theory, and the where it starts turning blue is getting later and later and later, it seems. Um I'll I, I try to find the article because it's a very interesting one. But basically, you can physically see the blue is is sort of gradually edging towards the end. Um, so are they picking these policies out literally just to get the despair to try and get those people out and vote? Because they, you know, obviously, Rishi going to bring a few votes back for them. I think we can be, be fairly... You know, that's going to happen. I don't think. Uh, I think under trust they were going to get a complete annihilation. But I think it's going to be a lot tighter polls now. Um, but they're still going to really, really struggle to win the toys, I think so. They they really have to try and get get these people out for them. And that sort of policy uh, to to you know be harder on drugs. You know to you know make marijuana class A. Come on. But But that's what they're having to do.
0: It's a ridiculous idea. You've got a Home Secretary that is now desperate to prove themselves. Um, I don't know, like, because obviously she's been kicked out of office into, like, the political wilderness for a period of six days, I think is what it was in the end, Um, for basically, from what I understand, like, leaking... Top secret documents to an email address she shouldn't have been linking it to and sending it to, um, and so she got kicked out. And now MI5 have basically indicated that well they've not directly implicated I don't think, as I last saw, but it was a, a tweet from either from someone at MI5 or something like that. Because some of them have got Facebook um, social media now. Like some of these, I think the, the head of MI, MI5 and MI6, you know, has a Twitter these days. Kind of cool. They didn't have that James Bond's day. Um and um, they said that they don't really, basically, trust working with Sirella Braverman at the moment. And I'm That's sure incredible. that I saw that. that the government. She's called to Slippery Sue
1: out. or something similar. Isn't <laughs> Leaky she? Sue, Leaky yeah, Sue. Leaky Sue, which sounds like the worst 1970s porn star, porn star name imaginable. <laughs> um, but in effect, this a song, she... isn't it,
0: Peggy Sue?
1: Oh well, this is even worse. I can't I don't even Sue. want to imagine it.
2: Um, sassy Sue was a 70s dodgy film i seem to if only she was sassy
1: but she's not sassy she's just an idiot so she emailed about three people one of them oh, I was another minister i think and then i think she also messaged who she assumed was the wife of, of someone that she knew but she has a she she has a, a, a legacy she has a reputation for leaking things and i, I read a comment the other day and it was—I th- it must have been on. The, I'm sorry to be obsessed with the Daily Mail, but it was comment saying, "Oh, the Liberal Left on their witch hunt again, you know, judging someone before they're found guilty." It's like, Guy, she admitted it in her resignation letter. She said it was a mistake that she made. But the problem is, is that she's not made it once; she's made it twice, if not multiple times. Also, it's not just, it it not
0: just a mistake. It literally is a breach it's of not. ministerial code, in, and so yeah. yes, something and which... worse
1: than that. Worse than that Ed, is that if this happened in the civil service and she's <clears throat> literally responsible for the hard, like her whole department within the civil service, she'd be fired and there'd be no comeback from that there'd be no disciplinary it'd be straight out of out on your ass. Well, I read today
0: and of a, if um, anyone in the a, civil a service prison warden, that. a prison warden right so similar sort of thing she's in charge of the prison service she's home secretary, a prison warden a female prison warden was um put in prison jailed for having a relationship with an inmate um and um you know that's the sort of treatment that someone much lower down the ranks than the home secretary gets not that i don't i don't know the details of the case right but obviously prison guards are told they're not allowed to sleep with the inmates and she broke that rule i'm not saying that that's right but she was sentenced to prison but anyway my point is that it just goes to prove the difference in Consequences for somebody lower down in the kind of pecking order, um, you know, uh, and, and pr- the prison service are massively overstretched. It's really hard work there. I know people there really not enjoyed being in the prison service.
1: It reminds me very much of the Hillary Clinton affair in so far that she got in a pile of shit for allegedly sending emails from her private server and sharing information to a private email address directly from her. Um, her gov. us email address. Um, of course that you know there's a debate about that, but it's very serious. I mean, the fact that she admitted it and then she got accepted into the cabinet a few days later is positively insane. She, like, I think she, she, only... really, she must have done that knowing that she'll be reemployed within a matter of days. I'm not suggesting I... there's some kind of conspiracy yeah. case, but it's dodgy for sure. No, I
2: think you're right. I think you're right. Look, and, and you know, the fact she actually resigned, strictly speaking, didn't she? Um, but that you know, that I've heard all sorts of bits and bobs about it. And one of them I found most interesting is that uh, <clears throat> she resigned knowing because she's part of the ERG, European Research Group, which are a party within the party and they are pretty much putting all the strings. Um, she knew that trust was going to be out on her ear within days. Um, she would you not know, because if the ERG completely pulled their support of trust, she wasn't going to go anywhere. And um, and Sunak sort of, you know, made a deal with the devil uh, to ensure that that members of the ERG voted for him uh, in in the uh, leadership election. And I think, uh, rather than getting her job back, was the uh, the deal with the devil that he had to do to get. Get some of them on side. Otherwise, because if Morden would have got more votes, the 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 Tory voter cabal—they all say would have just gone for Morden because a lot of the, you know Sunak isn't the most popular. Which, if you look on the uh, if you look on Twitter when he he got uh, coronated, um, it was incredible. It's just so many of the of the Conservative members, and I know a few. I uh, hands up, I know a few, and they were furious they didn't get a vote. They were absolutely livid about it. So, so yeah, the fact she's got her job back, I think is actually her saying, "Look, you know, let's be honest here. If if I if if us in the ERG all get behind Morden, she's going to beat you." So, I think it. Uh, that's just the theory that I've seen. I'm I'm sort of scratching my chin about. You know, i gonna. You know, that could be an interesting. one.
1: Well, it clearly wasn't out of her sense of principle that she wanted the job because just a couple of weeks ago she was saying oh my dream is to deport people to Rwanda and it was the most crazy thing I've heard from a politician's mouth in a a few years it was highly unprofessional it sounded quite unbalanced as a statement Um, but now working as a home secretary in the Rishi's office she's that that project's been sidelined
0: so you just said that I'm unprofessional and I'm. did you say unprofessional unbalanced? I probably said both. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of something, look, and it reminds me of, um, it reminds me of Nadine Doris, if I'm honest. Well, I wanted to play this basically and I needed a I way to why. introduce it. Because, well, this week Nadine Doris was um, anchoring Talk TV or a show on Talk TV um, which is obviously this kind of. Well, then no. What the? I was about to say, antidote to GB News. They're the same. They're basically another GB News, aren't they? Talk TV. Anyway, she's presenting shows on it. This I think soon to be um, a um, lady in the House of Lords or a lord in the House of Lords. I don't know how. Um, anyway, this is her on Talk TV. For a change. A man was going to clear up a woman's mess. That's Rishi's vow as he enters number 10. As, as you were, soon that stability extends to the cabinet with the big beef steak and all the cages but Bradman back at home in the home office. Sorry, I've just completely messed up. They're in our studio and we've risked them for a clue.
2: Stick around for Just Stop Oil Live.
0: So I've listened to it so many times. Because, I, I mean, like, I don't want to tell you, me, but she did say it was... She has taken said, you know, things like this aren't hard. Like, you know, things like anchoring aren't hard. And obviously that's what in, in a way we're doing it now. And she I, I think I don't know if she's part of the anti podcast anti growth coalition. But um obviously there is a like, slight sharpenfreuden. And, and I learned the, the, the I'm gonna have to look it up. The French word for Schaff and Freuden, which is nice. They probably um, don't
1: have one. Like no, as George do. Bush said, but as George Bush always said, it's not a French word for entrepreneur. Isn't there? No. <laughs> Why? You know, so I weird. do. I do long for the bygone days where the most stupid person was George Bush in politics. And yeah. now yeah. he's kind of metamorphized into an adorable old man who just likes to paint. So he did kill people, but his portraits are fantastic
2: it's that's a thing isn't it it's the it's, 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 the overton window in american politics is is incredible really when you know when you do when you now consider george w bush as you know relatively okay that's a rather that's a worry you know <laughs>
1: it is completely completely insane but here we are she's amusing as a character but for me She is almost like a woman from a BBC sitcom who is a wine-drinking mum, a box-wine-drinking mum that's ended up in (laughs) politics. She comes home after looking after those fucking kids. She's a bit opinionated. She goes on Facebook after being scammed by some Gambian on eHarmony.com. And she has all these crazy, wild opinions that she feels she needs to share with the people of the world. And she goes on Twitter and yeah. talks all the bullshit. The difference is it's that she, she actually occupies an area of of office.
0: I can't believe I'm, def- I'm the one being defensive of Nuruddin Duras. But today she tweeted saying that um, Sunak was wrong not to be going to COP. Uh, is it COP 27? So she she was actually spot on today. Like she she went completely against Sunak. But not. It was worse than that. She quote tweeted Jacob Rees-Mogg saying that it was right for Rishi Sunak not to go so um obviously cop 27 with it's last presidential year alok sharma presiding over the proceedings um of what could be you know a conference that sets a changing pathway a change in direction for the for the world in terms of climate change um and he's just saying it's not even worth one day of me doing it not even going there for a day um and so he's just not going and um it's just that's utterly insane i mean no one said it was bad when you know like he takes a, a break during summer summer recess or when he hosts a conservative conference you know pms do get called away for things one thing can be sometimes very important they go to summits all the time um and he's not going to cop twenty-seven, which is just insane. I
2: think no, it's mad. It is crazy. But the thing is, with Nadine, is that she's she will go within whatever the wind is blowing um on that respect. Because look, she's not going to get a job in cabinet with rishi in charge. is She, she knows that. She knows that. You know that's why she was desperately trying to get Boris back in uh, every way. And um so, yeah, she that's what she'll do. So I, you're right. I sort of perversely found myself agreeing with a tweet that she would put out earlier. Um, but the thing with Nadine Doris, you know that had things gone the other way, had by sheer chance Boris been returned as leader, she wouldn't have put that out. If Boris had said, no, no, we're not going to COP22, she'd have she'd agreed. And she's in, annoyingly, she's in a very safe Tory seat as well, so it's in it's a she, marginal but seat be a where by-election. she could possibly lose so, it.
0: Yeah, so when there's a by-election, because she's going into the House of Lords, isn't she? Um, that's but well, Boris is going to put her in there in his resignation on us, probably.
2: Uh, allegedly so, yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know where they come out.
1: Well, this is the whole thing with the, the whole COP22 or whatever else it is. It doesn't really matter. And the reason I say it doesn't matter is that It's all optics. It's performative. There's no real climate action from the Conservatives. Uh, We're in a position that we are in now with energy because for years they've just completely neglected renewables. And not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but my feeling is is that you have a select number of people who make a lot of money, who have a very privileged background, who have the degrees, who have the influence, and they have networks. And they're feathering their own nests in the foreknowledge that nothing's really going to be done globally to address the problem. So they may as well have a a good time of it now and enjoy what they can, when they can, while the world burns. Because it's better to be in office in your lifetime and to be remembered in what history there is for however long it lasts than to be out of office quite quickly for suggesting the kind of radical measures that need to take place. Um, So it's incredibly difficult to actually address this issue meaningfully because it's not electorally popular. What needs to be done will never be electorally popular. That's why what needs to be done is completely ignored or sidelined or um, fractionalized to such a point where it's, nothing it's it, it's it's performative it's a gesture
0: but you are you saying you mm-hmm. honestly think are you saying you honestly think that like what's electorally um feasible um is never going to be the most like thing because i think actually some of the things that they need to do maybe no
1: because people don't, wanna, people don't want to people don't want to compromise in their lifestyles and i can't blame them ordinary people have suffered enough in this country over the years especially in the conservative party for the last 12 and what needs to happen would be a lot worse than austerity, especially in terms of quality of life, especially in terms of what you're able to access and what you're able to do. So no one wants to do it that's because it would be electoral I, suicide.
0: I, well, I don't know. But I don't know if that's necessarily all there is that can be done. Like tax hikes amongst the richest um, would be barely noticed by the multi Millionaire it will be it will be noticed there's, if there's you're the recipient
1: sleeper. of uh, of of money as if you rely on them as don- uh, as donors uh, as a party. I mean, you can't run a campaign without their money.
0: Well, then maybe the way that campaigns are run needs to be looked at. I don't know. Well, it does need changing,
2: but they're not going to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's also electorally unpopular because the, the only way to get the money out of the politics is to publicly subsidize electoral campaigns and to give them uh, an equal sharing of the budget. But no one wants to pay for that because you'll be saying, oh, you've got to chip in for this party's political campaign and you don't believe in it. Um, so that's the only way to actually deal with it, but no one wants to do that for obvious reasons. Mm. Like you'd You'd have to... Publicly subsidise the BNP and UKIP, I have to public, publicly publicly subsidise Jeremy Corbyn or the Labour Party or the Greens. Um, so something needs to be done, but nothing, nothing well, is. I think you I, have I, transparency, I, don't
0: you? Doesn't just transparency solve that? Because a lot of the sort of things we're talking about. Well, here is it is like transparency. That's Tufton Street's um, impact on politics big donors you know twos and froes between people with a lot of money and the people that make the policy and um you know tufton street's coming for a lot of criticism for this recently it's just the one that springs to mind 55 tufton street um and the the money that goes into it is not transparent um there's no money goes into this podcast by the way no, we haven't oh. even had an advert, so no one can accuse us of being in the pockets of big business, just to be clear. <laughs> well, just in case anyone's listening. As, yeah, well, I don't know. As, uh... I no, no, I can't actually vouch for John, like, properly. I don't, I, <laughs> no, I can. I can. John is not in the pocket of Shell. Um, I don't think no,
2: no. Um, if you are listening, Shell, and you, you do want to be in your pocket, you give me yeah. some
0: money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're up for it. You're, you're definitely up for being in a pocket. Like no, I mean we're just basically being honest and transparent and saying we are currently in no one's pockets. So, so the the um the fifty five Tufton Street lobby groups, you know, they can be paid by companies. That's fine. It's just about knowing who those companies are.
2: It's these think these are think tanks. There's a lot of think tanks where you know that money goes in through these think tanks and into the Conservative Party. And you're right; it's very, very vague and opaque on what goes in. Um, yeah, it, well, it's, this is, uh, this is a the thing,
1: John. I remember this weird conservative war on the Quangos, um, and that was led by the right wing uh, right wing press. So these were actually publicly subsidised bodies. However, more or less everything was transparent. And then over the years, what's actually developed is that you have all these think tanks and the actual um, donors to these think tanks, the people responsible for them. It's not made explicitly clear who's paying for it. So they've poisoned politics, especially among the right. Mm. And there's no way of tracing who the actual person is or company or business or group uh, who is responsible. And that's what happened in Truss's premiership. I mean, I imagine it was probably the Taxpayers' Alliance um, who was uh, undoing in the grand scheme of things. Uh, But transparency is needed. And we need to get the money out of politics and we need to have a, a subsidised system. But I can't see it happening soon because if you have to if you have to explain an idea to the British public, you've already lost. That's the general rule. And that's the same for proportional representation, it's the same for climate change legislation, it's the same for many things that require more than a second's focus.
0: It's funny you mentioned Quangos. I met, sent you a message about quangos this week because the, I, I've been initialising the name of our podcast, and I think it sounds like a quango. So obviously, the, the initials of don't change the subject are DCTS, and you can imagine putting the word "the" in front of it, and then it's like sounds just like a government quango. Like you need to submit some paperwork <laughs> to the DCTS, um, and um, it, m- mentioning the name of the podcast. Reminds me that I'm supposed to say, and I'm willing to say, and make it sound like I'm being held at gunpoint. I'm not. um, To say the phrase, don't forget to follow the podcast. And then you'll find out when each one comes out. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you gentlemen, as always. Um, And um, thanks very much for joining us, John. We'll be back next week. um, And I'm sure.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: We'd love to have you on again in the future. So yeah. um, From Lorcan... And you, well, look, say it because I don't know how to pronounce it yet. But you've got you've got a new surname.
1: Well, it's goodbye from me, Lorcan Lydell. Larkin Lydell,
0: yeah, nice. Um, oh yeah, and it's goodbye from me and John.